Riley drops back, looks, looks, dances, and throws, and he's going deep down the field. Oh, what a catch by Darrell Walker, who skips his way to the end zone. There's your touchdown, Eskimos. 57 yards to the end zone. Nugent Hopkins out to the point. Ripped it, score. Oscar Clefbaum, a laser blocker side. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chet. Well, look who's back. Connor McDavid will play tomorrow night against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Oh, look who's on his line. Benoit Pouliot, who he, he, he has played with before, and Jordan Everly will be the right winger. You'll hear from McDavid. You'll hear from McClellan. I want to hear from you about what you think about that line combination, your expectations for the line for McDavid tomorrow and through the final 32 games of the season. I know head coach Todd McClellan, no doubt that McDavid is ready to fly. The car has been test-driven now for quite a while. It's ready to go out on the racetrack. Yes, and the racetrack tomorrow will be the ice at Rexall Place, then a road trip for the Oilers as they head into their final 32 games. Well out of a playoff spot, will they be able to chip away at it and make it interesting by the end of the month? Marty Klinkenberg, who's been covering the Edmonton Oilers for the Globe and Mail with a huge focus on Connor McDavid, announcing over the weekend he is writing a book on McDavid's rookie season so certainly this return will be a big part of that book marty set to join us tonight we'll catch up with our oilers analyst ex-nhler rob brown of course you hear rob and me on overtime open line after every oilers game he'll have some thoughts on the mcdavid line combination as well and eskimos news today as well man what a busy day the eskimos rounding out their coaching staff almost almost for 2016. A couple positions still not filled, though they may not be filled. You'll hear from Jason Moss. You'll hear from Mike Benavides, the defensive coordinator. You'll hear from Baron Miles, who joins the team as the defensive backs coach. And Morley Scott, Eskimos play-by-play voice, will join us as well. How are you doing, everybody? My name is Reed Wilkins. It is 6.08. This is Inside Sports on 6.30. Chet, thank you to Brendan Ulrich for filling in for me last week as I took some uh, vacation time, went to uh, the Los Angeles area and got to see Kobe Bryant play the Chicago Bulls. And I say Kobe Bryant, not the Los Angeles Lakers, because judging by the fan reaction at the Staples Center, Kobe Bryant is all they care about this season, his last in the NBA. Talk a little bit uh, more about that uh, as we move along tonight. You can call in 780 0063. You can text at 630-630. You can get me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins. You can also jump into the conversation about McDavid and the Oilers on the 630 Ched Facebook page. So McDavid set to return. So what happened today at practice, and it it was a late practice. They didn't go on the ice until 2 o'clock, and they went until about 340 with about a 25-minute break in the middle, and it was a big power play focus when they came on for the second half of the practice. But but the lines were... Now, Hall didn't practice because of his participation in the All-Star game yesterday. By the way, John Scott, that was great. Um, So you had Lander and Klinkhammer rotating on the left side with Leon Dreisaitl and Teddy Purcell. Then you had the Pouliot-McDavid-Eberly line, you had Letestu 
who had his number retired by the Bonneville Pontiacs on Saturday between Cassian and Yakupov. And then you had Hendricks, Korpakoski, and Pakarinen. McDavid still to be activated, so I'm wondering if Klinkhammer goes back down to the farm tomorrow uh, and Lander is a healthy scratch. That appeared to be uh, the process here for the Oilers as they get ready to take on the Blue Jackets. And, of course, that game on Ched tomorrow, 5.30 for the face-off show, 7 o'clock for the drop of the puck as we go through your Action Furnace Oilers report. Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. Connor McDavid and Jordan Eberle together at last. I don't even think Ebs and I have played a shift together before, so I think uh, this will be a little bit different for us. Or maybe a little bit of an adjustment, but I'm definitely excited to play with a guy like uh, like Jordan. and um, Obviously, Pooh I have a little bit of experience with, so I'm um, definitely excited about it. How do you think you can match with Everly potentially? I think it could be very good. I mean, he's uh, obviously everyone knows what he's like around the net. He's got those quick, great hands and a, and a you know, deceiving shot that you know, fools goalies a lot of the time. So, um, you know, if you get him a the puck in a good spot you know he's going to finish it all right so this is interesting to me and and this this debate was yeah, well i mean it's people have always been asking who's mcdavid going to play with when he comes back and and it became more of a topic over the last couple of weeks well even even since january 1st when he was back practicing with the team and we thought eh, maybe there's a chance he's back before the all-star break before the oilers confirmed it that he was coming back after who was he going to play with and, and as it got closer to, to this day, to me, the debate was not between Yakupov and Eberle. Because I think you've got to give Eberle the shot here to play with McDavid. The debate for me was Yakupov or Pouliot. Because I didn't think Pouliot had a good run going into the All-Star break. Now, to be fair, he did play out of position but uh, out of position before the, before the All-Star break because he had to play center. But there wasn't, to me, a lot of impact on the game by Pouliot. So in my mind, it was, it was McDavid and Everly who were going to be together, and then the choice was between Pouliot and Yakupov, at least in my mind. Here's how Todd McClellan came up with the line combination. We feel good about starting them there. I, there, there has to be a starting point. Uh, Pooh had some um, um, familiarity with Connor, and uh, Cassian, Latestu, and Yaka played together over the last little bit. I think Cassian gives them uh, those two some physicality that uh, that's allowed them to play well too. When it comes to Connor, do you ease him in, or do you open the door and say go? Open the door and say go. No, I don't. Uh, we had him penalty killing. <coughs> Pardon me. Had him penalty killing. 10 or 12 games into the season. Uh, we worked his way into that. I don't know how much of that he'll do right off the bat, but uh, and we also have to watch his minutes and make sure that he's, uh, he's handling it. The way he skated today, I'm not as worried about Connor as I am the other 19 that have been off for a week. All right, so that kind of got a laugh from everybody there in the media listening to Todd McClellan, who also joked, by the way, when he came out for his uh, availability today, how many of you are buying tickets to Ottawa to see McDavid return on Thursday? That was a joke. He returns tomorrow. Um, limited or no penalty kill time, sounds like, for McDavid. Of course, he was hurt killing a penalty against the Philadelphia Flyers on November 3rd. 
his and Todd's initial response was there, open the door and let him go, but then he qualified that a little bit by saying you have to watch the minutes. All fair enough, but this is a player who is clearly ready to return. So with the line combinations, played with Pouliot before, says he wants to leave the, uh, Cassian and Yakupov and Latestu together for now. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some mix and match going on here. But this is this is going to be an interesting month or or until the end of the season for Jordan Eberle. And I would also say about the fans' perception of Jordan Eberle, who has become a bit of a whipping boy this season by some of you. I'm not going to say all of you, but certainly, you know, I, I hear, well, Jordan Eberle is overpaid. Uh, Jordan Everly doesn't play a tough enough game. He doesn't win battles. He doesn't go into the corners. He doesn't stop in front of the net. All that kind of stuff, um, which I think some of it is 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 irrelevant. I don't know about all of it. But here's the interesting thing, and and you know what? I've said it too. I I was I was on the Oilers Nation podcast a week and a half ago with with bag milk and, and jean shorts, and, and they asked me. You know, which winger do you trade if you want to get a decent defenseman? Well, I mean, Everly's the obvious answer. Be- because there's now this perception that, and I'm not saying it's, it's, it's incorrect, but I, I do believe it's debatable. There's this perception that Jordan Everly is expendable, that he's good, but he's not quite good enough, but he is good enough to get you something valuable in return. And that's that's kind of now been the feeling that a, that a lot of people have. Not everybody, but a lot of people. But but here's the thing: if if now in the NHL there's a thing where you don't worry so much about the lines, you worry about the pairs. Well, right now Hall and Drysital are a pair, and Teddy Purcell, while being on that line for quite a while now, is the complementary guy on that line, right? So now you have Nugent Hopkins out of the lineup until at least the end of the month. So he doesn't factor in as a center anymore. So now you have the potential of McDavid and Eberle being a pair. And now you have the potential of Jordan Eberle's production increasing. And he's, he's been able to produce, especially a couple seasons in his career, at a pretty good rate with good centers, but not centers of what we certainly believe McDavid's caliber is going to be. So if Jordan Eberle comes out here and scores, what, pick a number, eight goals in 15 games, 10 goals in 15 games, has a point a game in the month of February, whatever standard you want to use, then is that going to change everyone's perception of Eberle's quote-unquote expendability and your willingness to part with him to upgrade another area of the team. Because that is that is very well what could happen here. That we see that McDavid and Everly click, that McDavid is able to get Everly the puck in dangerous areas, that you know McDavid is able to take the puck to the net after getting it from Everly, and that that turns out to be a very good pair. And then, I mean, this this is the interesting thing. Three, three weeks from now, we could have people s- saying the same things that they, they started saying about Taylor Hall around the end of November. Even a lot of the, and there are still a lot of, there are still Hall haters out there. But all of a sudden, once we got into this season, 
And as we saw Hall establish himself, you know, he was fourth in the league in scoring. He's been between fourth and tenth most of the year. Now it's been, oh, my goodness, thank God we never traded Taylor Hall and let him become this player. Is, is, is this going to be now the, the dialogue in, in a few weeks where it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe we ever considered moving Jordan Eberle. He Now he's with the perfect center. Because that, that could be, if you're looking on the bright side, a, a very positive outcome out of this, is that now we, we see a legitimate pair. And you have the two pairs. You have Hall and Dreisaitl, and you have McDavid and Eberle. 780-496-0063. You can also text 63630. Daryl from Vernon says, Reed, I think the line combination of Eberle, McDavid, and Pouliot will be great. Talbot will go on a run. Hall plays lights out till the end of the year, and this team will go on a run. Daryl thinks the Oilers can win 20 of their final 32 games. I don't think they can win that many. I do have a lot more faith in Cam Talbot that I think, I mean, you look at some of the games coming up. How many games last year did you go into saying the Oilers might have a goaltending advantage? I think they have a goaltending advantage tomorrow. They're certainly going to against Montreal. Against Ottawa? I mean, if Talbot continues his play, that could sway things as well. Bryce in Calgary says, I'm ticked at all these fans who are down on Everly. Give him a chance with McDavid. The coach is good. Oilers fans have to keep the faith. That is from Bryce weighing in from Calgary tonight. We got Chris from Phoenix checking in tonight. This has almost become an annu- a nightly thing, Chris. I'm glad to hear from you. How's it going? Uh, great. Uh, you know, just love the show. I kind of listen. I work nights, so I get to listen to you uh, uh, every night uh, other than Friday. Um, so I'm excited to see McDavid back. I have no issue with uh, with Eberle being on McDavid's line. Eberle was what the leading score, our leading scorer for something like three of the last four years or whatever. The guy, the, the, the kid puts the puck in the net. There's no problem. And plus, and plus these lines aren't aren't concrete. They're they're gonna the, the lines are gonna be juggled. And I'm and I'm you know sure that Hall is gonna be with uh, McDavid at some point, and Purcell will be there, or Yak will be there, Cassie will be there. It just depends on the matchup. Like I, I have no issues with that. As, as far as who who do you trade, um, I, I get the, uh, the trading Everly for for an upgrade on de- on defense. Uh, the problem is, as much as I want Hamannick on this team, I don't think uh, he's worth Everly. Uh, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna deal uh, a potential seventy plus uh, potential seventy point uh, forward, I'm gonna try to go, go for somebody better. Uh, as much as I would love Hamannick here, I think I, I think what. Um, Snow is up against. He's kind of up against the wall, so uh, I'm not going to give them uh, an outstanding player uh, when you know eventually he's probably more likely going to have to settle for something less than than you know what he's wanting. So uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, there could there could be a deal being made. Uh, we'll just have to, to see and, and go from there. But uh, love the show, and uh, hopefully McDavid uh, comes out tomorrow and scores three points. Okay, right on, Chris. Well, that'd be amazing. Chris from Phoenix checking in tonight. Seven eight zero four nine six. 0063. DB says, if Everly doesn't light it up with McDavid, what does that say about him? Uh, what is a general manager trading for in Everly? Well, see, and see, this, this is the thing. I, 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 I think 
and, and, and I, honestly, I don't think this is a this is a product of the fact that the Oilers have been so bad for so long. I think it's just the nature of of uh, of a, of being a fan is that when a guy is on the team you cheer for, you focus on what he can't do, and when a guy is on another team, you focus on what he can do, right? And, you know, Chris made a good point where he says, I don't know if Hamannick's the right guy to go out and get. If you bring in Travis Hamannick, you're, you're bringing in a defenseman who wouldn't produce a lot of points, okay? If, if, you're, if you're trading Jordan Eberle, you're trading a guy who at his best can get, you know, three-quarters of a point per game, uh, has a good shot, has good vision on the ice. Does he have his flaws? Yes, of course. But you have to decide... And and this is the you know what what is what is a what is a, a team trading for in Jordan Everly? Let me put it to you this way, and I, I can't remember if I've used this on um, used this on air before, but I was talking to somebody about it. There is going to be some team that goes into the playoffs and thinks, "Oh, we're pretty good. We got a shot," and they're going to be upset in the first or second round, and they're going to lose a five or six game series because they score nine goals in six games. Right, every game's two-one, and they lose four out of the six. And they're going to look at their lineup and they say, "My God, we got a lot of grinders and bangers, but we need a game breaker." A, t- a team like that, for example, would, would look at a, an Everly or an Everly-type player and say, "That's the guy we need." I mean, look at the Winnipeg Jets, who were in the playoffs last year, and now are right down there in the standings, barely ahead of Edmonton. You know what I would say about the Winnipeg Jets? Yeah, they got a big team. They can play physical. They don't have a lot of guys who can just all of a sudden score. So, you know, fine. Criticize Eberle for whatever. He doesn't throw big body checks. Yeah, you know what? My my, My biggest criticism of Eberle isn't his puck battle ability. It's the fact that he doesn't stop on the net enough. That would be the one detail I would fix. He goes to the net but doesn't stop there. I think he engages in battles as, as best he can, and I think he's done better as, as the longer he's progressed since the shoulder injury. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Joanne is on the line. Hello, Joanne. Hi, Reed. If um, you've got uh, those two lines, what happens to Nugent Hopkins when he comes back? Is he going to be a third-line center? He could be, yeah. I mean, assuming everybody is healthy, he could be the third-line center, and Mark Letestu would go back to the fourth line, and Anton Lander uh, is a scratch or isn't on the team. It, what does that do to um, Nugent Hopkins, either his pride or his confidence? Anything? Well, I, I mean... I guess you would hope that if that is a situation, it would ins- it would fire him up to get some of his ice time back. Now, the thing is, long term, he is going to be behind McDavid on the depth chart, right? So, yeah. I-, I guess the thing is, then he's competing with perhaps Leon Dreisaitl for for some of those minutes. I, I think I think Nugent Hopkins is realistic and. You know, he knows the, the situation on the team. I mean, if he comes back and he's the third-line center... Now, here's the thing. If he comes back and he's with he's with Yakupov and Cassian, or Yakupov and Korpakoski, or Yakupov and Pakarinen, there's still the opportunity for him to produce some points. The, the, to me, Joanne, the, the, the fear I have about Brian Nugent Hopkins being a third-line center... And I know it's it's really appealing to say let's have three offensive lines. The thing is, your third line 
is a complementary offensive line, which certainly Nugent Hopkins would provide, but you have to check a little bit and you have to win faceoffs. And Nugent Hopkins' faceoffs haven't progressed to the level they should be at to be a third line center. That'd be my concern there. Okay. One other question. Yes. Does um, Cliff Baum have a staph infection in his leg? Do you know that? I've heard the same rumors that you have heard. The Oilers have never said anything officially. Obviously, there's something up with his leg. Uh, I don't know if it's precisely a staph infection or some other kind of infection issue, uh, but but something is going on there. I have seen him walking in Rexall Place, so certainly nothing is broken. But he's not skating yet. He has not skated. He did not skate today. Brandon Davidson did skate, though. Mm. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Joanne. Curtis is next on the line. More text coming into 630-630 as well. More audio from practice today. You'll hear from McClellan and McDavid. Rob Brown is ahead as well. Inside Sports on 630-CHED. Hi, this is Taylor Hall from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630-CHED. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. 780-496-0063. McDavid is back. We're talking about that tonight and getting into some other issues surrounding that, specifically his line mates, Pouliot and Eberle. You can get more on McDavid on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Playing some McDavid clips tonight. We have the full McDavid media availability on our website. Some video of McDavid at practice, so you can check that out. And uh, video and audio as well from the Eskimos announcement today of their new coaching staff. And that'll be the focus of the show coming up later on tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports presented by AMA. Be listening tomorrow for your Alberta Motor Association's Oilers Hockey AMA safety and savings for your family. Curtis is up next on the phones. I just want to spend a minute here. And uh, if, if, if you're into Oilers blogs and all that kind of stuff... Uh, there's a, uh, a gentleman who writes for uh, Oilers Nation named Matt Henderson. He goes by uh, Archaeologer Guy, I think that's how you say it, on uh, on Twitter. And he he wrote a, a blog titled, I read this, he put it out while I was on holidays. I think he put it out yesterday or Saturday. Reminder, Jordan Eberle is pretty good. I just I just want to read some of Matt's comments. He says, looking only at points from right-wingers over the last three seasons, Jordan Eberle is eighth with 150. That's more than Yager, Hossa, Ryan, and Aginla. Eberle is not just some $6 million bill that the Oilers have to pay. He is one of the best scorers in the NHL playing the position. Period. In terms of power play points, Everly is sixth among right wingers in scoring on the man advantage. He has 46 power play points in 198 games. That's while Edmonton's power play efficiency during that time was in the bottom third of the league. Edmonton is a subpar power play team, and still Everly has been killing it on the power play. Edmonton can't score in general, yet he still creates offense at an elite level. This is impressive. People shouldn't be talking about how soft Jordan Everly is. They shouldn't be mentioning his name in this trade scenario with the Islanders would be doing the Oilers a favor by taking him off their hands. Those are some thoughts from Matt Henderson. I tweeted out the link to the entire blog. And it's interesting stuff. And again, it proves my point. Focus on what a player can do rather than what he can't. And focus on what you're losing 
as opposed to what you're gaining. And, and then I think maybe you look at trade scenarios in a different light. Curtis, thanks for holding through the news. What's up? Thanks, Reed. Man, this is an exciting conversation to actually get to talk about which high-end talent should be with, with which high-end talent, hey? Well, yeah, um, it's not bad, and it's too bad Nugent Hopkins isn't healthy too, but uh, maybe they'll absolutely. all be together in March. Yeah, and I think, you know, Chris reminded me, we have to remember that Everly thinks this game at a high, high level, and we assume that Connor thinks the game in the same way. What does it look like when those two get together, are able to do some things that, that with other players they're not able to do? And if we're talking that Hamannick situation, uh, there's a pretty good offensive high-end thinker of the game there on the aisle. That uh, They may look at that and decide, there's our right winger. All of a sudden, not only are we talking Everly for Hamannick, but maybe that deal looks even sweeter on the Oilers' side of what else is going to get thrown in. I'm going to uh, go off here and just look forward to hearing your thoughts, Reed. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, Curtis. Well, and, and again, that, that gets back to one of my original points, and that we, we now have to see and I'm sure Shirelli and McClellan on the coaching staff are darn eager to find out, what does that pair look like? Because, and, and look, you you got to remember something here, and I, and I don't want to make this another Yakupov show, because for some reason people just love not, not talking about Yakupov. We, we don't really, we don't have any information on Everly and McDavid together. Big David said that himself. They, they never played a shift together. I don't even think in the preseason. Yakupov looked better with McDavid, still only had two goals. And let's face it, a couple of the assists he had with McDavid were throwing the puck out to center, and McDavid went and got the puck and made something happen. So, fine. Points are points. But if, if Everly comes in here and gets six goals in the next ten games... Then there, then I don't know how anybody could argue that Yakupov is getting screwed by not being with McDavid, because the production in that case will speak to itself. Now somebody raised the point on the text line: What if Everly plays with McDavid and still can't produce? Okay, well then there's even more information. But I think this has the potential to be a very good pair, and McDavid has the speed. He has the puck to the net, and it does appear two guys who can sort of think the game in the same way. And, you know, maybe some of the things that we look at and consider Eberle's flaws aren't going to be as apparent because he's on a line with McDavid, because McDavid's that good. So... Is McDavid going to make anybody he plays with look better? Sure, of course. He, he's, he's an incredible player. But maybe for at least for now, in the short to medium term, Everly's going to be the best possible compliment that makes you scratch your head and say, oh, wait a minute, maybe it's not so simple that Everly's the guy on the, on the trading block. 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. DB says, for me, Everly is too on again, off again. For the cap hit he has, I don't think he's great value. 
Another texter says, put Yakupov back with McDavid. Best confidence boost for him. Still don't know why Lander is in the picture. Talented guy, but just doesn't fit. Well, it's simple. The Oilers have never had a full complement of centers. They didn't have Dreisaitl to start the season. Shortly after Leon came up, McDavid got hurt long-term. And then now you have Nugent Hopkins getting hurt right before McDavid comes back. So, I, I mean, look, if 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 Dreisaitl would have come up, which I think he would have at some point, maybe not when he did, but if you would have had McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl all together for most of the season, Anton Lander's probably in the minors, or he's your 13th, 14th forward, and he's hanging around and not playing very much. And I... I it's it's difficult for to to look at the Oilers lineup and and think Lander is a long term. I mean, a year ago I wouldn't have said this, and I know a lot of people are have pointed out that you read you were wrong about Lander because I thought great here's the third line player. I really did at this point last last year. I really did. Well, now I wonder why has Anton Lander lost his job to Mark Letestu in the third line role, and as. As much as I like Mark Letestu and I'm happy for his career, he would probably be the first person to tell you I'm a fourth-line player. And he's been playing third-line minutes. It's a it's a big deal. I mean, here's the thing. The guy who was supposed to be your third-line center has zero goals. The guy who was supposed to be your fourth-line center has seven goals and has become your third-line center. So if he's on the fourth line, Letestu is overperforming. But because he's on the third line... He's, you know, kind of underperforming or in in an, in, an, in an okay third-line range. So I don't know what's going to happen with Lander. I mean, it, it looks like he might be a healthy scratch tomorrow. I think Klinkhammer is going to go down and Lander will be scratched. We have Dale, 780-496-0063. Hey, Dale. Hi. Yeah, I was just, uh, just saying, I'm, I listen to your show practically every night, and, um, and I'm a real Oilers fan. But, um, uh, you know, everyone's so concerned about our defense. You know, I mean, our, our, our goalie, we've gotten better on our goalie. We've got some young guys that are really coming up. They're going to be really good. And, and they're talking about, you know, um, uh, trading a, a guy like Eberly who can score. Uh, we're going to have three good scoring lines when Connor comes back. You know? And, and I th- it's a much more exciting game to have a game 5-2 than one nothing. You know? Hello? Yeah, no, I'm here. Oh, you're still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can <laughs> Does talk. Does it make sense what I'm saying? So you, um, you, you know, s- I think uh, to have three good scoring lines. I mean, just think about going up against other teams. Their defense is going to scramble because you know who has really good three scoring lines that they've got to defend against. You know, so um, I think we just have to wait to get the, all the guys back what we have and we've got some really good scorers and I think Everly I, I love Everly and he's uh, uh, you know he can score why get rid of him I mean we need more scoring so that's great for us you know thanks for calling Dale appreciate it Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. I mean the, I, I think there's a good point in there about the impact McDavid has on the opposition because everybody has seen him they know the speed, they know the vision, they know his ability to cut to the net with speed, make sharp turns, find guys, all that kind of stuff. And even, and I know it was just Oilers versus Oilers, but even when they worked on the power play today, you could see the impact McDavid had in, in the zone entry because he's just so quick and he's able to get the puck through the neutral zone so quickly 
and it's going to make other teams back off and make it easier for the Oilers to set up or maybe do something off the rush on the power play. So he, he's, a, he's a game changer that way. You know, I guess I guess the question is, is regardless of how some of the players play through this month, do you want a significant move to happen before the end of the month or do you want it to happen in the summer? I, I guess maybe that's what this all boils down to. I think this is a good line combination. I think Everly deserves the shot with McDavid. I think he's going to be more productive with McDavid than Yakupov was. That's where I come down on that. I think now you have two pairs in the top six, Hall and Dreisaitl, and you have McDavid and Everly. little more from McDavid when we get back. He was asked if he's concerned about getting hurt again. A little more from Todd McClellan as well. Marty Klinkenberg writing a book on McDavid. He's going to join us too. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. You're listening to 630 Chet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight, 648. We've got Elvis on the phone line. I'll get to him in about a minute here. A couple of texts to 630-630. Uh, frustrated fan says, if Cassian doesn't go on McDavid's line, McDavid will be out again in three to four games because someone will run him into the boards. That is from Frustrated Fan, who I love. <laughs> Wasn't that Frustrated Fan that said the uh, Eskimos were going to be 2-8 and eight by the time Riley came back? Something like that. <laughs> didn't turn out that way. I think frustrated fan is one of those guys, expect the worst, hope for the best. Or what is it? Plan for the worst, hope for the best, right? I think that's where a frustrated fan is. I think he, when he cheers for a team, he always like, all right, I got to just tell myself it's going to be disaster, and then whatever happens, I'll be happy because it'll be better than what I was telling myself. I think he's one of those guys. Uh, Yakushev says the Oilers have to get better on defense. They're going to have to, tr- to trade a good young player to get an asset on defense back. I doubt all their future acquisitions can be done through free agency. The Oilers have the same amount of goals as Detroit. Detroit is fifth in their conference. The Oilers are 14th in theirs. They are 15 points apart. The only difference is goals against. Well, yeah, the Oilers are uh, minus 30 goal differential, as are the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, and that's why they're the two worst teams in the league. Wesley says, I sure hope Connor McDavid is the superstar the media is building him up to be. <laughs> that is from Wesley. I always I always enjoy texts like that. Like, well, I hope you're not lying to me, Reed. Better not be lying that McDavid's good. Look, McDavid's good. <laughs> I, I don't know. Wesley, what is your evidence that McDavid isn't probably going to be good? And look, of course, we're dealing in degrees of probability. You can never know for sure. Connor McDavid, as a rookie, had 12 points in 13 games because he got hurt, and at worst, he was the Oilers' second-best player after Taylor Hall when he was playing. Matthew Panashik on the other side of the window. Would you agree with that? You can tell me if I'm wrong. At, no. I, I think at worst, he was the Oilers' second-best player in the first 13 games. No, I, I agree he was. I mean, he was playing really well. Unfortunately, the injury happened, but that's, that's, uh, that's the way she goes with hockey sometimes, right? Now, Junior, his last year Junior, when he was out for a while with a broken hand, Connor McDavid had 120 points in 47 games. I don't think the media or anybody else is building up Connor McDavid to, to be a superstar. You know who I think is building up Connor McDavid to be a superstar? Connor McDavid's performance. <laughs> I, I think averaging almost three points a game should be enough. If there were no such thing as talk shows or the media, 
you could look up Connor McDavid's stats and probably tell yourself, I think this kid might be good in the NHL, Wesley. I wonder if that was Wesley Crusher from Star Trek The Next Generation. We got Elvis on the line. Hey, Elvis. Hey, Reed. You know, you listen to these, uh, to the frustrated fan or whatever, and I think that just comes with, with uh, what's been happening with the Oilers for years and years and years. Connor McDavid, uh, unfortunate accident, much like Taylor Hall used to get injured. He'll learn uh, what he shouldn't do and what he should do, and he'll have some bumps and bruises. That's the nature of the game. It's just very, very physical. As far as uh, people uh, turning around and um, uh, making a trade right now, I'd like to see something happen only for the simple reason. If, if it's sensible uh, and you can trade with someone and they're looking for pieces, go out and do it. Uh, don't wait because I'd like to see this team kind of get somewhere with about 20 or 25 games where they could play as a unit and get ready for next year. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm wondering what's going to happen this month. I mean, certainly you wonder. Now, they brought in Adam Clendenning, who I, I saw practice with the Oilers for the first time today. And How do you so, look? You know what? He, he okay, just... I, I saw him practice once. I have seen him very limited in game action. He looks like Justin Schultz. Okay. All right. I, I, I have very modest expectations for what Clendenning is going to add. And I wasn't here last week when he was added, so I know Brendan probably talked about it while I was away. All I got to say is this, Elvis, five teams in a year, okay? Yeah. Well, sure, he works hard. I'm sure he's a good human being. I'm not, you know, criticizing the guy as a human being, but... Uh, I mean, he is a he is a minor piece to the roster. He's not going to come in. I mean, I guess the Oilers is D is bad enough. Maybe he's going to get to play significant minutes. But in, in my mind, this is a, a minor band aid acquisition, just to see. Right? It's a it's a low risk yeah. move. Yeah. yeah, we thought that about Cat. Like we, we didn't know what we were getting when we got Cassian either. And I I got to tell you. I'm very, very happy with what I'm seeing from this guy so far. Low-risk move. He gets 32 more games to try to earn a contract for next season, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So, what do you see? What do you see them doing? What, like, if, if you have, if you're you're a betting man, what do you see the Oilers doing, uh, if anything, in the next next little while before the trade deadline? All right, I think Purcell will probably be moved because he's a UFA. I think one of Griba or Fane could go. Gribe was a UFA. And the thing is with Fane, he still has two years left. I, I just yeah. think you don't need both Griba and Fane on your roster because they're both number six defensemen, right? Absolutely. So preferably you don't want them in the lineup at the same time. And if the Oilers drop out of it, then fine. You play Clendenning there for the rest of the season and you got to take your lumps again. Absolutely. What about Schultz? Like, like the the way to, the way Schultz is playing right now for me, he's a six or a seven. I'm I'm serious. Like on like he's he's uh, he's he's not he's not standing out where he should be in producing. True. And he's not a physical defenseman. So what is he? I don't know. I don't know anymore. And that that's he's got no identity. Right. And that and that's the thing. I thought he could be okay. He can play in your second pair, five on five, and be a good power play defenseman. Maybe yeah. not a great power play defenseman, but a good power play defenseman. And he's not that. I mean, at, and you're right. At best, Justin Schultz now seems like a bottom pairing defenseman. When he has a good night, you don't really notice him. Yep. 
but and but he's all what? but he's also not physical. Like at least when Griba has a good night, he will still hit and block some shots. Yeah, but that's exactly right. But like you said, with 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 Fame, I think his foot foot speed has got to him. Yes, I think the West is too fast for him. So I would I would try to hold on to Griba, uh, but I wouldn't pay the world for him. And I like Schultz, Fame. They've got too many. They've got too many guys that aren't living up to their expectations. And like you said, hence we are like bottom feeders again, right? No defense. Elvis, thanks for calling. I want to get in three points, Dave. Three points, Dave. Didn't leave you a lot of time here. You got about a minute ten. Okay, sounds good. How was your trip, Reed? First and foremost, to Cali, pretty good. It was excellent. Thank you for asking. No problem. Okay, I'll be. I'll make this quick. I think the McDavid Everly thing is a good thing to try out, just because we got to remember. Uh, a few years back, Everly had 34 goals and uh, 76 points in a season. So with McDavid, you really never know. Um, I'm, a, I'm one of the biggest Yak fans out there in terms of Yakupov, but let's be honest, Reed, he has not uh, done what he's supposed to do as number one overall pick. Uh, the 2012 draft wasn't that great, but he was still the number one overall pick. He's got to pull his slack. Um, he hasn't done that. And, uh, yeah, I just think that, you know, ho- hopefully the McDavid Everly thing works out. Simply because if that work sort of takes pressure off of Leon and uh, Taylor. And, uh, yeah, that's all I have to say about it, man. All right, three points, Dave. Thanks for calling. Probably hear from you tomorrow night after the game with the Blue Jackets. That'll be on Ched. 5.30 face-off show, 7.30 for the drop of the puck. DB says the Oilers are in 29th place. It's already about the position for getting a high draft pick for the rest of the year. Stevens says the McDavid injury was a blessing in disguise. It allowed Dreisaitl to develop. I'm excited to see them both active. And Wesley has texted back and says, okay, smart guy, we'll see about McDavid. Well, we will. Marty Klinkenberg is writing a book about Connor McDavid. He'll join us next on Inside Sports.